ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. This is... Watch out. Yeah, talking about way out there. Bayheim! Is that silence in a little bit? Schrader takes. It's a two-man rush. Schrader steps Double up. Bit. Pop pass up in the middle. Got Parker's it. got it. Room to run. 15, 10. Hit, oh. hit in. Gregory touchdown. The Bills make me wanna shout. Allen looks to his left. Fires left side. It go oh, to the end zone. Stephon Diggs makes the catch. Touchdown, Buffalo. Swing into this. It is over. The Boston Red Sox. Baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. This is On the Block. Yeah, I was driving home yesterday, so I heard some of your show. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Brent. Thank you. Thanks, Brent. Two, one. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio Fans, perhaps, hopefully, celebrate a championship tonight and then watch a little basketball game. 
between the Orange and Monmouth. That is a 8 o'clock tip time now. It was originally a 7 o'clock tip time, but uh, good on Syracuse, good on the ACC, good on Monmouth, good on the ACC Network, and everybody that kind of had to be checked off on the list there to move up the game an hour and give everybody the chance to go in and watch a championship here. So we will uh, certainly talk about both of those things throughout the program. I got to admit, look, the Bills are the number one seed in the AFC. They are a 10-win team. I'm going to sound like a spoiled brat in a way. But what I've said all along, and I've got to be consistent with this, is when I view the Buffalo Bills through the prism I'm supposed to this year, and it's fun to say this because you know, we're coming off not too long ago a 17-year playoff drought, but they have set the standard. They have built this team to be a Super Bowl contender. So that is the prism in which I view this team. And right now they're not a Super Bowl team in my eyes, and they're still not a Super Bowl team in my eyes. It's a great win over the Jets yesterday. I still think they're capable of showing and hitting their stride and their momentum at the right time to do it. They're still one of the best teams in the NFL. They're certainly one of the best two or three teams in the AFC right now, but I don't know. Maybe my standards are too high. I just don't see it right now. And it's December 12th, and something's got to change if I'm going to view it that way. Might be a surprising take from Uncle Brent there on your Buffalo Bills. You did get the victory yesterday. We'll play the shout song as always, and um, I'm happy about that. Don't get me wrong, but I just don't view this team the same way some others do at this point. I think we're making a lot of excuses for a team that's just, you know, they are the top seed in the AFC, and that's great. But I don't think this is one of those just be grateful for what you have kind of things because this is supposed to be a team that wins the Super Bowl. So I, I view it that way, and we will look at it that way later in the show. We will see what uh, Josh has in the blind side later in the show. We'll look at the other things that uh, went over uh, the weekend in the National Football League as well. Quiet weekend in college football as we're in between. The the Army-Navy game was great, don't get me wrong, but we're still waiting for those bowl games to start later this week. There were no other major Syracuse football coaching moves. I hope you got a chance to read Emily Liker's exclusive interview with Tony White, which I think was insightful, and, you know, Uncle Brent might be wrong about something there. I'm willing to admit when I'm wrong. It's not often, of course, but I think he said something that was pretty interesting in there doesn't change my overall view of what I think Syracuse football has to do to prevent these things from continuing to happen. And even a very transactional business coaches come and go. That's part of it, especially in football. So we'll get into that a little bit. The latest on the SU football front, they had another addition to the transfer portal today. And I, I think every name that's gone in there, a few more than significant than others. It's more what you get out of the portal at this point versus who's going into the portal at this point. So we will discuss that a little bit here. But as mentioned, dare to dream. Dare to dream. That has been the mantra of this Syracuse men's soccer team. And whatever mantra you want to use, dare to dream, I think is a good one. I think is an apt one. Because I'm going to read something to you here. Okay. Uh, Eight national championships. 17 national championship game appearances. 22 College Cup appearances, 36 straight NCAA tournament appearances, fourth appearance in the last six years in the College Cup, second title game appearance in the last three seasons. 
What that describes is the Indiana Hoosiers, tonight's opponent for Syracuse Ben Sock. So to me, all the pressure in this game is on Indiana because they have a standard to live up to. Now, through all of that, they have not won a championship since 2012. <laughs> I mean, that's 10 years ago. It could be a long time. It could be a short time, depending on how you view of this. Syracuse is in its eighth overall NCAA tournament and obviously going for its first national championship tonight. They're in their first national championship game tonight. They're in their second college cup. Indiana is the juggernaut. Indiana is the best college men's soccer program there is. Now this year, they're the 13 seed. Syracuse is the three seed. Technically, Syracuse is, is the better team, if you will. But Indiana's got the weight of history, expectations, and accomplishment behind them, which makes me think Syracuse has a big advantage in this game because they have nothing to lose. It's not that they're not supposed to be here. That would be the wrong way to describe this team. This is not some upstart that barely got in and made a little Cinderella run to the championship game. That is not an apt description of this team. They're the three seed. They were a great team all year. It's one of the best seasons Syracuse men's soccer has had. They proved to be one of the best teams in the tournament by winning and getting here and by their level of play. They're playing their best soccer at this moment in time. But that was significant to me. I got to be honest with you. I had no clue that Indy, I had kind of heard that they were good, but then when you actually list out the accomplishments, and I said, wow, advantage Syracuse. Now, don't get me wrong here. Indiana is going to be a challenge for Syracuse tonight, namely here. Indiana's goalie, J.T. Harms, has not allowed a goal in the entire tournament. Indiana has gone 360 minutes without allowing a goal. So if you've got a stat like that behind you, it means not only do you have a great goaltender, you have a great defense. Now, Syracuse has a terrific goaltender itself in Chile. So this could be whoever scores. It could be one goal. This could be, a, I certainly expect it to be a low-scoring game, but if you can somehow score, that might be enough. I mean, that describes soccer, obviously, in many forms. You're not, you're not getting like 4-1, 5-2 games here, especially when you get this far down the road and you're in the postseason. But if they can score, that might be it. And the rate that they're scoring right now, the guys that are at the top of the list, Levante Johnson, Nathan Apuko in particular, get that one goal. Break that guy's confidence, right? And the weight of expectation, I think, falls on the shoulders of Indiana. Now, I'm not going to pretend I'm a soccer expert here and break down strategy and all that because I am not. I just love the fact that here we are sitting on Monday, December the 12th, and we're talking about a Syracuse team in the national championship. Now, there is a Syracuse basketball game tonight, and as we mentioned, the Syracuse football things that we discuss, and Kind of those things that we do every Monday. Mondays are busier days in terms of topics. You're coming off an NFL weekend, big Syracuse basketball win over Georgetown with another game tonight, and just kind of those things that are right there on the slate. But to wedge in a conversation about a team going for a national championship, and you got to love it when teams like this step up, right, and put themselves into the spotlight because, frankly, that's how they earn that spotlight. You know, for those that say, oh, well, you don't talk about this team enough or cover that team enough, and my answer is always the same. Well, then they need to earn my attention. 
and they need to earn your attention. There's only so much that I can pay attention to. There's only so much I can cover. There's only so much that I can put the resources that we put into these things and give it the apt, fair attention that it deserves. There's only so much room in my brain. So fair or unfair, the way that soccer, and I don't, I'm, I don't want to start listing sports because I don't want to insult the student athletes that put in the blood, sweat, and tears that they do to those sports and the dedication they have to their craft because it's admirable. But, you know, there's just certain sports that you've got to stand out like this to work your way into the conversation. And if you do it consistently, then you become part of the conversation. Look at lacrosse and how, and now it's both men's and women's lacrosse. They have earned that by the consistency of the product that they put out. And obviously men's lacrosse is trying to build back. They're coming off their worst season ever and doing everything they can with Gary Gate in place and an incredible recruiting uh, class they have coming in, the number one player in the country, Joey Spolina included. And, you know, we got plenty of time to get to lacrosse, this is not their day. But there's no better way to make a statement and say you're going to pay attention to me than to make this kind of run, and then maybe in a few hours we're discussing a national champion. Anytime you can win a national championship beyond the sports that we talk about the most, the better. I mean, frankly, the football team is not going to win a national championship in my life. Prove me wrong on that. I'd love to see it. I don't think it's going to happen. It's been 20 years since the men's basketball team has won a national championship, and that'll be celebrated aptly when it is, when the 2003 title team turns 20 in March of next year. They've been to a couple Final Fours since then. That's great. But when's the next time we're going to see a championship? That's certainly more in the realm of possibility, given the way the tournament works and how we've seen this team get into the Final Four. You get the right kind of player, the next Carmelo, the right kind of thing, and boom, you can get yourself in that conversation. Lacrosse titles used to come year by year by year, but the further away we get from Syracuse's last championship in 2009, the more you kind of appreciate how that sport has grown and how hard it is to do that now. The women's team, I think, is getting closer. I think they've got the coach to get them there. Not that Gary Gate wasn't capable of that, but that sport. You think of the mountains you got to climb. Because this is what can happen. Indiana is an example of this. You can have these dynasties within these sports, and then every athlete worth his salt or her salt in that sport will go there. Look at UConn basketball, Indiana soccer, North Carolina women's soccer, right? Like you just, by nature of the program you've built, have this. Just everybody flocks to that place, and then everybody else is trying to play catch-up there. So to break through that and be able to potentially say yet another program has won a national championship. Remember, cross-country team a few years back, field hockey got there at Syracuse, right? That's an exciting thing, and that will command attention, and it is such a payoff for Years and years of dedication and recruiting and building things up and sticking with Coach McIntyre and his philosophy. And look at the players he has sent to MLS. Look at the players. This is the first year that Syracuse had players in the World Cup, two players in the World Cup for Team Canada. As a matter of fact, and it would have been three if Miles Robinson had not gotten hurt. He would have been on Team USA. So there's a buildup there. 
right? So if you had kind of seen it, oh, yeah, they've been pretty good and some of those things I mentioned, but nothing commands attention like national championship. It is the ultimate ender of an argument. Why should you pay attention to that more, talk about that more, write about that more? They won a national championship. And not only do they win a national championship in the case if they do tonight, they beat the team. This is it. This is the team. Indiana's it. They haven't won a title since 2012. That's an eternity for them. The pressure's on them. Syracuse is the team that can dare to dream because it's the right combination of the season, the buildup, the talent, the goalkeeping, and how they're playing right here, right now. They're playing a really good team with a really good goalie themselves, as we mentioned, but, man, I would not want to be Indiana tonight. It's great that they accomplished what they have, and they got another college cup, another appearance in the championship game, their second in three years, but that kind of thing tends to, you know, the pressure can be handled one of two ways there. And I feel like if Syracuse can use that to their advantage and just play one more great game and then put it all on the line tonight with how they're scoring, how they're playing defense, how great their goalie is, how I think, how good their coach is, all things considered, a national championship could come home tonight. Just doesn't get bigger than that. That's pretty cool. It puts a little chill up your spine. And you don't have to appreciate the sport, know the sport, have even watched the sport. I think you just have to be a Syracuse fan. And they're all part of the family. They're all part of that discussion, right? So we'll see tonight. It starts at 6 o'clock. And just a reminder that you can grab a $10 ticket to tonight's Syracuse Monmouth basketball game. I think it's really cool that they did this. And you can come hang at the Dome, watch the soccer game. They're going to have it on the big screens. It's the best TV in central New York to watch the game, if you ask me. I'm not, not even doing a promo for Syracuse right now. It just is. Watch the game on that TV? How cool is that? And then stick around watching basketball tonight. Ten bucks. It's a nice little Monday night here in central New York. I'll take that. So good luck to Coach McIntyre and company, and hopefully uh, in a few hours we're talking about a national champion here in Syracuse, New York. We're going to talk about what happened Saturday get into some basketball discussion. If you want to get into uh, the men's soccer team playing for a national title tonight, my ears are open at 437-7644. Again, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not going to break down strategy here. I mean, I know what I know. And I gave you some details there. I'm not going to pretend to be a soccer expert by any stretch of the imagination. If you heard my coverage of the World Cup in the past week and a half, you kind of know where I'm at there. But I'm a, I'm a fan of good stories. And I'm a fan of teams doing that. And I'm a fan of when something like this can break through. Well, why don't you talk about this? And I want to talk about this. And my answer is always, well, make me talk about you. This will do it, right? This will do it. So there we go. Great way to start the show, talking about a team going for a national championship. A conversation probably didn't even think we'd be having a week ago or two weeks ago. Those that know, know that watched that team game in and game out and were there and maybe saw something special this team a little bit earlier. They're just kind of shaking their heads saying, yeah, I knew that uh, a while ago. Where have you been? But uh, everybody's watching now, and here's your chance to make the biggest statement of all. Let us break on that note, and we'll get into what we saw Saturday and uh, what should be a pretty easy night at the Dome tonight for the Syracuse men's basketball team. All that on the way. 
Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back. Around the block, ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. Presented by Wildcat Pizza Pub. Great to have you here on this Monday. Rocking and rolling. No, it was rock and rolling Saturday. First time since really they reignited this series. You know, they uh, Syracuse leaves the Big East, and there was about a year or two there where everybody's kind of wondering what's going to happen. We still got to play these teams, and then I think smartly they put these series together. And I made this comparison last week. I wrote about it a little bit, and I'll reiterate it here. Syracuse-Georgetown has kind of become like a car lease, right? Your lease is up. You sign a new two-year deal. And then you say, okay, two years down the road, what does this look like? What's the mileage at? Do I like this car? Do I like this model? Or do I do and think of something different? And it seems like every two years, it's like, okay, no, I like this. Let's keep going. Let's upgrade it. Let's put it to the modern standard. Give me, you know, the the 2022 version of whatever this model is, and let's go forward here. And as Mike Waters reported over the weekend, they are going to do this two more times. Will it run out then? Because I'd really like to see what this looks like when there's no Jim Beheim coaching Syracuse when Patrick Ewing is not coaching Georgetown, when we have completely lost the connections to what made Syracuse Georgetown, Syracuse Georgetown, right? As more generations get away from it and just hear the old tales from people like me, they're like, no, it's the best, right? But when you lose the main ingredients in those conversations, will it still be relevant? But it felt right Saturday that they played. It felt right Saturday that I heard that news from Mike, and I might not be the the, the best source on this because I'm always going to want to see Syracuse and Georgetown play. But that is, as Jim Beheim noted after the game. You know, there's still a certain amount of, of feeling with Georgetown. That'll carry on. It's not obviously not what it was, but it's still – Georgetown, so it's still a, a, a big game, for, especially for me. I don't know about these guys, but for me it is. It's still there, and who else are you going to play, right? You've got to play these non-conference games. There's a few on the schedule that, if you can make it more interesting, put some history behind it. That's what college sports is, and Syracuse has lost that by going to the ACC. They just have. The Duke game is an event, and it's big, and that's great, but Duke is not Syracuse's rival. Boston College got a little spicy this year in football, and that's kind of the natural rivalry, but I don't feel like that's on the same plane as some of the other rivalries out there. Not that I'm trying to compare it to Michigan, Ohio State, or something like that, but I've just I've always felt like they're more neighbors than rivals. Same thing with Pittsburgh. Ask 100 Pitt fans who their rival is. They're all going to say either Penn State or West Virginia. Maybe Boston College is the winner there, but you know it just hasn't felt the same. So to put that game on the schedule is as good as it gets. And I know we've had these discussions, but the good thing about Saturday was this team played as well as they have all year long, and they're going to continue that tonight against a bad Monmouth team. One would think, one would hope. We'll see what happens when they tip the ball up 
I don't take anything for granted with this team, right? But to see the breakthroughs we saw on Saturday, to see, you know, Patrick Ewing on the sideline, you know, there was a great picture, Scott Shield, shout out to him. I sent out some of his photos on Twitter over the weekend. He captured some great images to this game. There still was some juice and some buzz there from this thing. You got Jim Beheim getting honored officially in the Ring of Honor, Pearl Washington, right? See, that's I said it a moment ago. When we start to lose those connections and reasons to have those conversations, then maybe this thing fades, but we're not there yet. As for the game, look, I'm going to run out of ways to tell you how good Jesse Edwards is. Jesse Edwards has crossed the bridge from awkward to awesome, right? Every big man goes through it. And he's still not getting the calls that he should. Thankfully, officiating did not become a bigger story in this game. But the first two fouls on Jesse Edwards in that game were a joke. The biases that referees have, the anticipated calls that they have, and some of the -the by-the-book stuff that they're doing. I mean, guys, it's Syracuse-Georgetown, okay? If Jesse Edwards brushes the jersey of an opposing player, you don't have to blow the whistle. Every time Jesse Edwards puts his hands up, you don't have to blow the whistle. It's one thing when Jesse gets into foul trouble himself, and it's his fault, and sometimes it is, but to put him two in the hole on two ridiculous over-the-top touch fouls was so annoying. Let him play. Call what needs to be called. If he's hacking somebody, if it's a clear violation, fine. But that annoyed me because Jesse's a senior now. These guys should know better. Everybody that's reffing Syracuse games has been around the block a few times. Like They know. And, look, it's just a part of the game. Seniors, people that have been around for a while, they just get calls. And Jesse's not getting those calls, and I think that's BS. And I think he should. I think he has earned the benefit of the doubt on this stuff. So it's my mini rant on that. But the, the smooth, effective play in which he attacks the basket, plays inside, attacks the rim. He had a legit big man on him, by the way. It's one thing against Notre Dame that didn't have a lot in the paint. Obviously, Oakland wasn't going to challenge Jesse Edwards. Well, Hobbs a legit big man. Now, the the ACC is going to challenge this team, more physicality and all that. I have the opposite opinion on that right now. It's not Jesse's got to look out for them. They got to look out for him. The only thing that I think can get in his way right now is what I said, officiating. And when he gets into foul trouble, it inevitably has got to go to the bench. But when he does, oh, here comes Monier Hema, who all he does is come in and hold down the fort. Legit shot blocker, holding his own, can give you whatever you need, 8 to 10 quality minutes until Jesse can get back in there. Now, again, I want to see that in ACC play too. I'm not going to take that off the table in evaluation. We've got to consider that. But... Right now, what you're looking at more is the talent of the individual players. This is a guy that played at Duquesne a little bit. He actually blocked one of his former teammates in that game, right? That's all you need from these guys. The continuing contributions of John Bolajak, as Jim Beheim describes here. He's playing good defense. He's active. He's getting back in and rebounding. He's facilitating things on offense. He's just playing really solid basketball. He got a couple tough, made a couple tough plays down there tonight in the second or in the first half, getting rebounds, getting fouled in one. To give you the quality minutes he's giving you, that's an intangible. That's confidence. It's somebody off the bench that's doing all the dirty work that needs to be done, that has earned his role. 
to go back to Jesse for a minute, because I should have mentioned this, the way he is blocking shots now, I mean, Hakeem Warwick was watching that and was jealous of what he saw in that game. He was jealous of what he saw in that game. The way that Jesse Edwards was soaring to the corners, getting out there, and again, that's just playing the game. Every big man kind of goes through those couple of years of awkward play until things round out. Jesse's just playing the game now. But you know what my favorite thing from that game was? Is Judah Mintz. Because Judah Mintz was looking for Jesse. He was drawing defenses to him and dishing the ball to Jesse. Joe's already got the connection with Jesse, and Judah's starting to get that. And I think Judah's starting to get his role, and I think Jim even said it after the game, I think this is the clip here, that he played like a point guard in that game. He really played like a point guard tonight. You know, he, he can score, and we need him to score, but he made some really good passes, too, as well. A little bit more on Judah. There's not anybody there, so he can get to the basket, and I thought he, you know, he was really good. Uh, after that first three, I thought he made his presence known getting to the basket. That's what he does. I thought he did a, a great job of that. He's learning the job. Now, that's not going to happen every game. There's going to be some games where he shoots too much. There's going to be some games where he doesn't have 10 assists like he did, but that vision is starting to get there. And by the way, if you're going to get in the paint, you gotta you got to know a few things, but Two in particular. One, take good shots. Two, know who to dish to. And three, get fouled. And when you get fouled, get to the free throw line and go 10 of 11 from the free throw line. Syracuse went 20 of 21 at the free throw line in that game. Be still my freaking heart because free throws matter, right? There's a lot that you take away from a game like that. I get who the opponent is. I get who the last couple of opponents have been. But you got to bank that and feel that. And Cornell's coming in Saturday. Not to look past Monmouth tonight. Mighty Monmouth, who's 1-9 and nine on the season. And Syracuse should completely handle tonight. As long as they remember what time the game is. Remember, it's 8 o'clock now, fellas. 8 o'clock. we got to watch a little soccer first. 8 o'clock tonight. Not 7 o'clock. Cornell gave Miami all it could handle. A few days ago. They're going to have 10 days off in between those games. I don't know if that helps or hurts them because Syracuse will have two games in between then. The rest versus rust thing there and, and what's better for you in that case. But Cornell's a tough team. So we're going to see a challenge on that Saturday. And then guess what? It's all ACC all the time after that. Just like that. Here we are. Ready or not. So I can only go by what I see right now. And trying to anticipate how this carries over into ACC play and the other bumps they're going to hit in the road, which could happen Saturday. I mean, that all could happen. But I'm seeing improvement from players that can carry over to ACC play. Right? Jesse, they've got to look out for him the way he's playing right now. Judah's learning the position. Joe Girard has averaged 17 points in the last three games after having a total of nine in the three prior to that. Joe knows how to navigate his way through ACC play. I'm still concerned, though, that they've got to find another three-point shooter on this team because they will face guard Joe, they will challenge Joe, and then make Syracuse say, look, there are going to be games where, yeah, Jesse might have a big day, but if you're not balancing that out with other scoring, then you're going to lose. So that's still a concern. I still think this team's got to find another consistent game-in, game-out person that you can at least turn to 
that you think can hit threes. You can have bad shooting nights, but Justin Taylor seems to be the best candidate for that, but isn't quite over that hump yet. But I think this team has made some steps forward, and at the very least has banked a lot of things in the minds of these players that can carry over to ACC play. That is not empty calories playing bad teams. Aspects of their game that they have to learn. By the way, I love this uh, from Bayheim, and it's certainly going to be the case tonight. Maybe everybody will be in a good mood if the soccer team wins a national championship, but I've always said this about fans, and I'm glad it came up. You know, they're sleeping most of the time, but they're trying to wake up. We just need we need to play better. The fans have never understood that we need them when we're not playing good, and that's when they're not making any noise. When we're playing good, we don't need them anymore. We need them when we're struggling. So, yeah, we need them. I, he's kind of joking there, but he's right. The Syracuse fan base has always been reactionary. You have to be self-starter sometimes. You're needed more when the game is quiet, when the team's not playing well, when you've got to kind of jump in there. and Don't do the wave to get it going, by the way. This is not permission to do the wave at all. But that's, that's your job as a fan, not just to sit there and, like, entertain me, right? No, sometimes you have to be the one that gets the team going. I like that. So, again, hopefully everybody's in a good mood tonight. And I don't think Monmouth's going to provide much of a challenge where you're going to have to motivate this team to get back in the game tonight. But by and large, overview, he's dead on with that. So we'll continue the conversation here. Uh, more on this uh, matchup tonight, not that there's really much to say. We'll get into the Bills and the NFL weekend coming up, the blind side on the way. You want to jump in on what you think the soccer team can do tonight against Indiana? And the challenge that's there, it's all on the table on this Monday. Let me see if I can get a phone call or two in before we take a break. As uh, David in Syracuse is on the block with us here at 437-7644. David? Good evening, Brent. How are you doing tonight? Good, man. What's cooking? I just want to ask you, get your prediction for the Super Bowl. I'm going to give you mine right now. Mine is Dallas. I'm still holding strong on Dallas. Because now that we got Dak back, I think we're going to get revenge on the Eagles and Bills. That's my prediction. Dallas and Bills and Dallas wins it. I don't think it's crazy to start talking about that right now, David, because this is this is a great lead into what I want to talk about in the next segment. We didn't even plan this. You start to see the teams that are capable of getting to the Super Bowl now. We have separated the good from the great. We have separated the men from the boys. We have separated the contenders from the pretenders and every other cliche I can put in here. You didn't even know and plan it this way, but it works beautifully. So what I want to talk about in hot takes coming up is you said the Bills in Dallas. I don't agree with you. I do not see a Super Bowl team when I look at the Buffalo Bills right now, and I'll explain that.